Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, coming to you from North Carolina as we slowly make our way north to the Chesapeake Bay. I have a wonderful guest today, Megan Lynch, and Megan actually lives in the town where I grew up. It's a very small world. Megan is the founder and CEO of Six Point Creative, a brand strategy agency that helps second stage companies break through growth plateaus, which is an interesting thing, as part of her mission to help small business Small business owners challenge the Goliath, the behemoth, the big box, or whatever it is in your niche. Megan has served as an expert advisor to second stage clients in a wide range of industries from fast casual restaurants to industrial manufacturers. Megan was named an Enterprising Woman of the Year in 2019 and enjoys um, testing her limits as an endurance runner. Wow. Megan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. It was so interesting. I would have killed a half an hour just talking about Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it such fun. a tiny town, my goodness. <laughs> um, so anyway, so so you grew, so you're uh, you were born and raised in uh, Springfield, East Long Meadow. Yes, indeed. Yep, lived most of my life there. Yep. Did you graduate East Long Meadow High School, and then did oh, you yes. go to college? I did go to college. Yep, I went to um, St. Anselm College in New Hampshire and went to Boston College for my master's. So. And what a, was your a degree? New England in? girl. A um, New England girl, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I've uh, I was an English major. I had no desire to be in business. I'm not even sure <laughs> how and why I got here, other than I was going down a PhD track and kind of looked around and was like, oh, I think academia is like more corporate than corporate America, and I'm kind of yeah. like in my day job in marketing more, and just like that was kind of all she wrote. I. I, my kind of standard joke is that I learned to read businesses instead of books, but kind of same <laughs> skills of seeing patterns and yeah. you know, kind of asking good questions and stuff like that. So, so interesting. This is uh, this will be episode 448. So I've interviewed a lot of people and I, I'm so amazed at how many people went to college for something, whether it's accounting, lawyer, you know, political science, and they turn into an entrepreneur. It's I like, know. well, so much <laughs> for that education, right? Or I'm sure maybe it helped in some way, but so you so you didn't have any parents or grandparents did you have any entrepreneurial role models at all um no it's funny my mom is a teacher and my dad is an episcopal priest so other um i we were about as far away from business yes. as you could get yeah so sunday morning you definitely went to church <laughs> exactly yeah like it or not whether i was awake or not i was uh pulled out of bed for sure. Oh, that's funny. So when did you start Six Point Creative? And was there um, was there some kind of a big event in your life? I, I interviewed somebody, uh, David Phelps, who just wrote a book and he talked about like a lot of entrepreneurs have a like a cataclysmic event. Some people lose their job. Some people, it's just whatever it is. Yeah. What prompted you to uh, say goodbye to the every other week paycheck? Yeah. So for me, it was being kind of like young enough not to know any better. I was uh, working with um, my partners who I eventually started Six Point with at another agency and they got it. Well, I kind of 
was cheerleading in the background for them to like, go out, do your own thing. You guys can do this. I'll come work for you. And um, so they finally were like, no, you know, we're going to do it. And we want you to come with us, but like come as a partner, not as an employee. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I don't have anything else going. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we just kind of like left from there. And then I, um, they were both much more into the like doing of the work. They were more like the creative types, um, you know, writer and designer team. And I, so I kind of got more, I was more the one kind of working on the business and leading the business. So I, I really started to just get into that the, the more I learned and, you know, kind of that trial and error, you know, frustration of learning on the fly and then realizing yeah. that there were people who could help you do it smarter, faster, better. So, so were they the creative ones and you kind of ran the business and exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've always liked like strategy. So I would kind of do sort of strategy consulting. And then as I started to get more knowledgeable about how to run and grow a business, I I've kind of like now in my own work, my, my partners have both retired and um, now in my own work, I really bring kind of like the business strategy and the brand and creative strategy together. And that kind gotcha. of like intersection of that is my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Are you the rainmaker? Are you the one that brings in the business or is there somebody um, else? Yeah, for the most part, I, uh, you know, I do kind of like the relationship development and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got a bit of a, a system behind me, but um, for the most part, I like to connect with people on a personal level and we don't, we don't, have a ton of clients we kind of handpick the companies that we want to work with so um so yeah it's it's a lot of fun to like meet people and get to know their story and and see what we can do to help when you started out megan did you uh look for clients locally in east long meadow long meadow springfield just keep going out from there or did you like you know obviously with the internet you can attract clients anywhere yeah. Um, the, I mean, you know, again, kind of this gets into sort of like my entrepreneurial journey and kind of where now six point is focused. But when we mm -hmm. first started, we were very kind of like general full service marketing. We just did, had local accounts, you know, in Western Mass and Connecticut and, you know, kind of stayed pretty close close to our own area. And we just got a reputation of being like pretty easy to work with and providing good value. So you kind of grow uh, organically just through that, like word of mouth, somebody tells somebody, you pick up another client, you know, you add another employee. And then, um, and then it was all of a sudden probably about like eight years in seven or eight years in, um, we just kind of like hit a plateau where it was like, you kind of like tapped out all of the companies that you want to work with in, mm -hmm. in the area. And you kind of start to hit that, um, the boundaries of your own network. You kind of know all the people who you're gonna know. And um, and I, and then for us, it was kind of like a, you know, as my partners were starting to talk about transitioning out of the business, I was trying to decide like, well, they're the real like creative brain power here. What the heck is this company gonna be when it's just me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of like took those two problems and sort of mushed them together and realized that as I was kind of working on like what do I need to do to grow and scale this business and kind of lead it into its next generation, I started doing a lot more like peer learning. Like I know you lead a mastermind group, like those kinds of groups where you just start to hear from other business owners who are ready to be vulnerable about what they're experiencing. And I realized that like number one, I wasn't terrible at my job. And number two, that we were a thing that was called a second stage company. And we had very predictable growing pains. And as soon as I learned that, I was like, oh man, like, why didn't somebody tell me that, 
that this was going to happen. I could have been prepared. It's almost like when you, the doctor finally gives a name to what you've been experiencing. Exactly. Yeah. Just that like relief of having it named. And then you can move forward and problem solve it once you know what it is. Once you have that diagnosis, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I'm this and there's a solution to it, well, now I'm just going to implement the solution. And um, so that was kind of what we started to do with the company. And that was where I really focused six point on, um, on brand strategy and helping companies solve positioning problems to kind of unlock that growth. Cause that was a big game changer for us, that kind of focus and, and expertise. And then also, um, you know, figuring out like, oh, I actually love these people who I'm in these peer groups with, like they're good people. They care about their communities. They care about their employees. They give back. They're like working super hard. Um, and just trying to like do what they love. And I'm like, well, and then I would be talking about brand strategy, you know, kind of bringing that to the peer groups and people were like, oh, this is really helpful. We ha- we've never heard this before. And I was like, oh, actually maybe I can kind of combine these two, <laughs> these two things that I love and, and kind of make that sort of the next generation of six point. And so that's, that's what we've done. Well, it's so interesting in that term, um, a second stage company, one of your blog posts, I was checking out your uh, websites, like what the heck is a second stage company? And I totally get it, but a lot of people might be going, what is a second stage company? So why don't you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so a second stage company, it's usually starts around when you have 10 employees, but the definition of, is 10 to 100 employees, um, you know, about a million to $50 million in revenue. Again, that varies a lot based on industry. So I find like number of employees is probably um, a better marker. Right. And, um, Um, And basically what happens is you just start to experience different kinds of growing pains. You know, again, you probably grew organically and got business organically for a certain period of time. And then all of a sudden the things that used to work so well when you were starting out now just don't have the same result. So you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like, you know, we used to send out this, you know, mailing or, you know, I used to go to these events and it used to be so meaningful. And now it's, now I'm not getting the same like um, lead or sales results, or you might find like you've kind of tapped out a niche, like you're, you know, you're a food company that's like overly invested in the restaurant business and you need to diversify into retail or, you know, family business that's kind of grown over time into a certain market. And then you realize, Ooh, there's this whole new opportunity to, to do what we do in this market over here, but you're not really positioned to like go after that business. Um, so you start to kind of hit those growing pains. And then the other big things are kind of like systematic things of, um, you know, you need to delegate the brand, the marketing, the sales, and, but every time you let it go as like the owner founder, other people just don't do it as well. And so it's not as effective. And it just kind of reinforces these patterns of like, see, I can't, (laughs) I can't give these people anything. And this is why I have to stay involved. Nobody knows how to do this better than I do. When really it's a matter of clarity, Um, you're not able to articulate what you want and how you want it and you know and and what the brand is and what it stands for in a way that other people can access it it's still kind of living too much in your head so um so yeah that's what we work with with owners and founders and um and teams to do is to start to pull those things out of kind of that that first generation company and 
start to pass it on to the second generation, whatever that might look like. And um, and it's it's really fun work because it both like empowers you know, let's say like the marketing coordinator or the salespeople, you know, who have been frustrated right along with the owner. And it also helps the owner take a step back and really enjoy watching their company grow and flourish without yeah. having to work so hard for every single lead, everything, single sale, all those fun things. So, so um, you mentioned I, I the dream business mastermind and I've been coaching for 12 years. And it's interesting to me that one of the things I've noticed after, you know, you know, hundred or so clients is that um, they often don't know what they need. It's like yeah. they're drawn to you for your, you know, because they have a prior relationship, they've heard of you, they see what you do. But then in the end, it's, they kind of need something else. I, I'm guessing that you have found that also with second, second stage companies, they're kind of plateaued, but don't know what. And they think, well, do I need a new brand? Do I need new marketing? Do I need what? Yeah. And, and really, in a lot of ways, they need some internal systems and, and ways for the owner to actually remain the owner and not the floor sweeper like we was the first week he opened, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the conversations I have start out with like, yeah, I think we might need to update our logo or I think we mm -hmm. might need a new website or um, we, you know, we just need a marketing plan to get into this market. And the more we kind of work with them and do that kind of root cause analysis, the more they start to see like, oh, actually, if we just did a new logo now or a new website now, that is not going to number one, solve the problem. And number two, like we aren't even set up to engage, you know, like, cause, cause we see like fabulous design shops and, you know, really great like website companies and search engine companies who try to apply their expertise to these second stage companies but they can't articulate what they want. They can't articulate what success looks like. They can't articulate what they do or how they organize their products or anything. Like there's all these major questions that they can't be clear on. So, you know, the, the person trying to design a logo or the person trying to do a website for somebody who can't articulate what they want, it's like impossible for them to get the benefit of these people's skill sets until right. they do some groundwork that really unlocks the ability to use expertise because that's the other thing that that second stage companies need is like they outgrow the you know kind of homegrown logo on fiverr or the one that yeah the you know, niece the niece who built or, the website <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> niece or nephew. yeah it's like like those things were right for that time and place when you were starting up and you know and that was that was what you needed, but then they start to outgrow them and they need, you know, okay, well now I need somebody who really understands our ERP system, or I really understands how to integrate with Salesforce, or, you know, you start to need specialists and, but specialists need you to be clear <laughs> about what you need. Right. So we can basically kind of help bridge that gap between the second stage company who needs the specialist expertise, whether it's internal hiring it or external kind of contracting it and, and help them get the most out of their people and others who they bring in to help them grow. So imagine the struggle for you though, Megan, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is the the person that's coming into or the company coming in, they don't know necessarily what they need because they have never been a second stage company. Yeah. Even if they are by definition, so they don't really know what to ask for. Is that right? Yeah. And I think that it's where like, you know, 
it just becomes kind of like meeting people where they are. You know, I think one of the things, again, having been there and having made those mistakes myself, like I recognize them when they're coming to me. So for me, a big thing isn't to like shut them down right away and be like, hey, you know, you're asking for a website, but hey, dummy, that's not what you need. Yeah. You know, instead to just be like, okay, well, tell me about why, why you need a website and, you know, what problem that's going to solve for you. And just kind of like, yeah, meet them where they are and and ask probing questions so that it becomes self-evident to them after I find it's like you ask a few good questions and like, you know, these people are smart. Like you don't build a successful business, you know, because you don't know what you're doing. You've just never experienced this problem before. And so usually through some questioning, they start to see like, Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Like that's, this probably isn't what I need. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Tell me more about this. And so it's just, you know, I think it's just kind of like, not shortcutting that journey for them, you know, just respecting their, you know, brain enough to say like, you know, you, you know what you need. You just need a little bit of guidance to help you make the right decision. And, um, and I, I think that that's where a lot of companies, you know, really appreciate how, how we and, and I work with them that way, because sometimes, you know, it's like you, if, if you go to a web development company and you say, I want a website, they're going to sell you a website. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so like, they can't help it. Like that's their job. And, you know, so for us, we just have like a much broader toolkit of being able to like really do that, take that time and do that due diligence and really match them with a solution, whether it's something that we can help them with or whether it's, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day and I got to the end, you know, finally I asked, I was like, oh, have you been selling on Amazon? And she's like, yeah, you know, our Amazon sales have really gone down over the past year. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, Amazon's through the roof and you're going down. <laughs> exactly. Like, hold on. You know, and she, she was calling me up for a marketing plan. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, I'm going to say like, you don't need a marketing plan. You need Amazon help. Like that is low hanging fruit sales that you yeah. need to be capturing and revenue that you need to be capturing. So I hooked her up with like an Amazon brand accelerator and and I'm like, you know, like eventually maybe we'll work together, but I'm like, first take care of this like <laughs> place where you're just bleeding opportunity. And then, you know, let's come back and, and do something. And I think, you know, she appreciated that I took the time to like get to that root cause. She's like, nobody's ever said that to me. I'm like, well, yeah, cause you're asking for a marketing plan. Why would somebody? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So where where does brand and culture intersect? I mean, I think the culture initially is obviously with the entrepreneur who starts it. It's him or, or her or whatever. But then second stage companies, I mean, it really take on a life of their own. It has the company brand to a large degree. Yeah, yeah. It's such, it's such a good question because we do see the overlapping of these a lot because in order to be able to delegate a brand and empower your people, like you really need a strong and clear culture. People need to feel, um, they, there needs to be a high level of trust and people also need to be clear on what the company stands for. And you need those right fit people because if you have, if you delegate the brand to let's say sales representatives or customer service representatives, those people have an outsized effect on how customers in whatever industry you're in feel about the brand and the company. Any, any brand interaction that is with 
individuals, like as person to person, and is more than, you know, a few minutes long, has a really, really lasting impact on how we perceive the brand as humans. So for me, they almost become like inextricably linked, like you can't kind of separate the brand and the culture. If you have a great brand, but a terrible culture, that is not going to be a sustainable position to be in. If you have a great culture, but a terrible brand, then you have this asset <laughs> that you are not leveraging. Um, so yeah, I think the two really go hand in hand and, and we've done a lot of work, you know, and we will partner with like culture experts if we feel like, oh, this company has opportunities, but they're just not healthy. You know, we've got people who are excel at that, that we can kind of bring in and introduce them to and kind of help them get the, the kind of back of the house in order before we do the front of the house um, work. Gotcha. Um, what have you found, Megan, as far as some of the fears that hold back, um, you know, let's say high, high potential companies from, from growing, from, you know, going beyond their initial roots, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest one is that when you are at second stage and you've had success and you've started to build up a team, you now have something to lose. Like when you are an entrepreneur and it's just you or it's you and one or two other people, you've got nothing to lose. Like it is do or die. Yes. <laughs> and you just go for it and everything's an opportunity and it's kind of fun and free in that way. Like one of the big things that we find is that companies who start to hit second stage and get larger, you know, you've got 10, 20, you know, 30, 40 people depending on you for income. Now, all of a sudden, every decision you make is loaded. And so it's like, oh, well, we could enter this market, but ugh, these other customers, they pay everybody's salary. So are they going to freak out when yep. we try to penetrate this other market and then they're going to leave us. And then I've just destroyed everything that I've spent so many years building up. And so like, we feel like, again, they feel like big problems and they feel like real problems, but they can be solved very easily. Like companies pivot markets all the time. And it's really a matter of putting together a strong communication plan, you know, really training your team. Like these are the things that we will kind of like walk companies through of like, hey, if you want to pivot into a new market, here's the way you do it in a way that engages your existing customers and brings them closer to you so that they become allies in it and also, you know, opens up a new market for you with, with positioning um, and, um, and a plan. So it's, you can have both, but I think companies often feel like they have to choose one or the other, either I'm going to choose growth or I'm going to choose protecting what I've, what I've built. And um, so I feel like our job is to kind of like say like, you know, yes, we can do both of those things. Right. We got about three or four minutes. I want to keep jamming in as many questions as I can while I yeah. have you. I know on your website, I saw this thing called solve for why the letter Y. Yep. Is that like your, is that like your mantra or is that how you approach business with new clients or? Yeah. Yeah. So solve for why that basically is this brand program for second stagers that I developed. Mm -hmm. I, I developed it 
on six point when we were kind of making our big pivot. So I kind of like practiced it on ourselves first of, you know, like how would I as an entrepreneur get clear? How do I empower my team? How do we, you know, kind of pivot our positioning in a way that brings us closer together and brings our customers closer to us? Um, and so, um, so yeah, so we basically just took that and then we've applied it on you know, lots of second stage companies that have really codified it and dialed it in. Um, so that it's basically like our process that we walk walk people through of how to do, how to kind of solve that seemingly impossible question of save what we have and grow into this new future that is going to be the next generation. One of the challenges I, I've helped a lot of my clients with, I'm just curious if it happens for you also, is they don't charge enough for the value yeah, yeah, of what totally. they're doing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think like brand is a big piece of, of, um, of solving that problem, like price sensitivity, like that is directly related to how strong your brand and positioning is. And I'm sure like, this is exactly what you see too, you know, as a marketer that, you know, the more clear you are on the value you bring and the more clear you are on what makes you different and the more clear you are on what, you know, who your ideal client is and how well you know that, that customer, um, that's, that's what allows you to charge that price premium and, and also allows customers to not be price sensitive. So they are not constantly doing that like race to the bottom. Yeah. And, um, and for a lot of companies, like there's just so much pressure to commoditize that, you know, in order our mantra is that like challenge the Goliath mentality and in order to challenge the big guys, like we've got to be more focused. We've got to be more nimble. We've got to be more specialized again, regardless of, of what kind of business you're in. Well, I could talk to you for a long time, but you know, the clock dictates everything. So uh, I'm sure people want to um, follow up with you. What's a, you, I think you have a website or you mentioned you may, may have a lander page where people get a little more information. Yeah, exactly. Our, our website is sixpointcreative.com. So that's S-I-X-P-O-I-N-T creative.com. And if you just go to sixpointcreative.com backslash dream business, um, there's a quiz that you can take if you think you might be a second stage company, but you're not sure or kind of want to get like a scorecard on, on where you stand there. We'll put together a customized report for you for free. Um, and then there's also some other uh, tools, a little like like ebook that you can download or, um, or we'll ship you a hard copy and um, a couple other tools that, that folks can use that are particularly helpful for second stage companies. So just some oh, that's great forward slash dream out. business. Very, see, there's some good creative right there. Exactly. <laughs> Megan, yeah. thank you so much. Really a pleasure talking with you today. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Megan Lynch from Six Point Creative. Uh, I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com, www.getjimpalmer.com. If, if you are interested in the uh, dream business mastermind, that is dream biz coaching, dreambizcoaching.com. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.